Praise the Lord, everybody. How's everybody doing? You guys have a great week? All right. Sound like four of y'all did. Yeah. All right. All right. So we are into the series at this point. We're into the series of the book of Judges. Uh, we have dealt with Jephthah. We've got, dealt with Gideon. We've dealt with Deborah. We've dealt with Tola. How many of y'all remember Tola? Bible study Wednesday? Tola. Y'all remember Tola? The worm. And today we are dealing with Samson. All right. I heard um, in our other church next door, they dealt with Samson. Uh, so we're going to just copy off of them. Is that all right? All right. So we're going to go to the book of Judges, the 13th chapter. And when you get there, say amen. Uh, we have Samson takes up four chapters. I'm not going to sit here and weary your time and go through four entire chapters, but we're going to flow today. Is that all right? All right. So I'm going to kind of go through the 13th chapter just to give us a little head start. And then I'm just going to push and then we're going to flow through chapters 14, 15 and 16. OK. All right. I see Sister Martinez here. She always encourages me and tells me I'm a good storyteller. So I'm going to try to be a storyteller today. Is that all right? All right. So we're in the book of Judges, the 13th chapter. And it says in the Israelites, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines for how long? Look at this. Once again, we have gone through the book of Judges up to this point for 13 chapters, and it seems like it's the same exact story. They're doing good. Then they start acting up. They're doing good. And then they start acting up. And now we're here again where Israel begins to act up. And now they have been handed over to the Philistines for 40 years. You guys with me? But if you go back a couple chapters prior, you'll begin to notice that not only were they under the captivity of the Philistines, but they were also under the captivity of the Ammonites. So when we talked about Jephthah last Sunday, Jephthah dealt with defeating the Ammonites. But today we're going to deal with Samson, and Samson is going to fight the Philistines. He didn't defeat them because his issues got in the way of his victory. And sometimes we defeat our foes or we win over our foes, but we don't defeat them. <laughs> y'all with me? Because we allow our issues to get in the way of getting complete victory in our life. So Samson's assignment was to destroy the Philistines. Well, watch this. But he was in love with the Philistines. Y'all with me? Samson was supposed to destroy sin, but he loved sin too much to destroy it. So he would have victory for a season, but the sin would overtake him again. And as some of us, we have victory for a season, but then our issues creep right back on in us again. So the problem with Samson out of all of the other books is he does not defeat his enemies. He has a temporary victory. And it takes a man by the name of David to come along in 1 Samuel to finally take the Philistines out when he went after a man by the name of Goliath. So we see here now that the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines for 40 years. And I talked about this on Wednesday night. Sometimes one of the worst things for the Lord to do is to give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. 
<laughs> y'all quiet in here. Y'all quiet in here. Y'all, y'all like to, to quote that scripture that he will give you the desires of thine heart, but you need to pray that the desires of your heart is inside of the will of God. Because if the desires of your heart is with ill intention, sometimes God will give you the ill intention so you can recognize the thorn in your side. Are y'all with me? So we begin to see that there are certain times in our life where we desired things and God wanted you to see how good it really was going to be in your life. God, I really want that car. Help me, Lord. And then God gives you the car. But you didn't check the odometer and realize that it had 400,000 miles on it already. Now you're a weekend and you're sitting on the side of 295 because God gave you the desires of your heart. Oh, y'all quiet. Lord, she's so fine. Give her to me. And then the Lord blesses you with her. And you're like, Lord, take her away. (laughs) I don't know Bill's issue there, but I'm hitting home right there. So sometimes the Lord will hand you over to the desires of your heart just so you can see that your desire is not in his will. So now we see here that God hands them over to the Philistines and there was a certain man from Zorah from the family of Dan. This is an obscure tribe whose name was Manoah. His wife was unable to conceive and had no children. God is strategic. Can I talk today? God is strategic. When God does something, there's purpose in why he does it. Uh Sometimes we don't understand it when we're in the middle of it. But when we come out of it, we recognize that a certain domino had to fall in order for you to end up where you ended up at. So you have to understand something. Y'all with me? Zora is at the borderline of Israel and Palestine, where the Philistines live. There's the enemy's land. There's a line. And then there's Israel and the tribe of Dan, and there's a little city right there on the border between Palestine and Israel named Zorah. And can you imagine living in Zorah when you're right there on the line of the enemy? Every time you get a crop, the enemy takes it. Every time you sow and reap, the enemy takes your harvest. Every time something good is happening in your life, the enemy is sitting there on the borderline waiting for something good to happen so he can take it. This is not a great city to live in. And not only is it not a great city to live in, but now you have a couple who is sitting here trying to conceive and they can't have children. So I'm on the borderline of the enemy and I'm not happy. I'm on the borderline of the enemy and y'all, I don't, we talked about this on Wednesday night. One of the greatest joys during the biblical times is for a woman to have children. You know, it's a little different times now where we we understand that life can go on if you possibly don't have children. But in this time, a woman was worthless if she could not have children. So now we have a woman here on the borderline of Israel and a borderline of Palestine who cannot have children. But God strategically placed her there for a reason. So for the last whatever amount of years, God, watch this, did not allow her to conceive. Because Samson had to be born at the appointed time. So what God did was he closed her womb until the appointed time. And now the angel of the Lord finally comes. uh, Next verse. So now uh, the angel of the Lord appears to the woman and says to her, it is true. You are unable unable to conceive. This is God speaking. You darn right. (laughs) 
you can't conceive. It is true you aren't able to conceive and have no children, but you will. <laughs> this is God. Ain't God awesome? Uh, it is true that the doctor said that the report is evil, but I'm going to make a way. But you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now be careful, watch this, not to drink wine, beer, or eat anything unclean. I want you to keep those three things in mind. Drink wine, not to drink wine, beer, or to eat anything unclean. Were you not supposed to drink? Wine, beer, All right. So a whole lot of us that already messed up. <laughs> For indeed, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Y'all like, I ain't drink nothing, but you ate some crab legs this year. <laughs> and I'm just stuck. Some of y'all went right into, I don't drink liquor, but you done you had some shellfish. Y'all was down at the shore or something. <laughs> For you indeed will conceive and give birth to a son. Watch this. You must not cut his hair because the boy will be a what? Nazarite to God from birth, and he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines, which means I've closed your womb for such a time as this. I put, watch this, I strategically put you on the border of the enemy to give birth to a deliverer. Woo, y'all understand how powerful that is. Some of y'all are like, why was I born in Gloucester County? And why was I born in Camden County? And God says, I strategically placed you there for your purpose. Hmm. Think about it. Let's just think generationally for a minute. Let's go back to 1492. Let's go back to 1613, when the first slaves came into Jamestown, Virginia. And a lot of times we complain, but it was strategic that your ancestors got on that ship, and I know we don't want to hear this sometimes, and strategically went through all different types of storms and slavery for you to sit here. Yes, yes. That's God. Amen. That's right. Oh, quiet. I want you to think about it. Your grandpa fell in love with your grandmama, and he lived in the South, but there was something about that girl in Philly. And he drove all the way up north to get with your grandmama. And now you're born here. <laughs> you just happened to strategically be working at that job one day and the right person walked in and you said, my, my, my. Show sure look good tonight. <laughs> and now you guys are married and you have children. God sometimes strategically places you in certain places for your destiny. And sometimes we're trying to relocate when God has you right where he wants you to be for your destiny. And sometimes you'll relocate too quickly before God's work is completely done. Uh, some of y'all are like, well, I'm married and children now. I can move. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so God strategically places them right there on the borderline of Palestine and Israel. And I'm repeating myself, I know, because there's a reason for this. And the reason is a son by the name of Samson. Now, if we go to Numbers, the sixth chapter in the first verse, it gives us all of the instructions of what a Nazarite is supposed to be. Now, watch this. Nazarites can be seasonal or a Nazarite can be from birth. There are only two or three instances in the Bible where children were born Nazarites all the way into their adulthood. There's Samson, some say Samuel, and John the Baptist. 
But there were Nazarites who were Nazarites for certain portions of the season of their life. They were not born that way, but later on they made the vow. So let's see what a Nazarite is supposed to be. The Lord instructed Moses, this is back in Numbers, speak to the Israelites and tell them when a man or a woman makes a special vow, a Nazarite vow, watch this, a man or a woman, not just a man, a man or a woman makes a special vow, a Nazarite vow to consecrate himself to the Lord. He is to abstain from what? Wine. And beer. He must not drink vinegar made from wine or from beer. He must not drink any grape juice. So y'all messed up when y'all took communion this morning or eat fresh grapes or raisins. Keep going. He is not to eat anything produced by the grapevine from seeds to skin during this vow, during this vow. He must not cut his hair throughout the time of his vow of consecration. He must be holy until the time is completed during which he consecrates himself to the Lord. He is to let the hair of his head grow long. He must not go near what? A dead body during the time he consecrates himself to the Lord. This is the vow that was given to Samson before he was born. Now let's go back to the text with Manoah and his wife. <clears throat> All right, we're going to get there. Back in the, in the, in the uh, 13th chapter, you guys with me? For you indeed shall conceive and give birth to a son. You must not cut his hair because the boy will be a Nazarite of, to God from birth. He will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. He has purpose. Keep going. Then the woman went and told her husband, a man of God came to me. He looked like the awe-inspiring angel of God. That's what he looked like, but that's not who he was. Y'all like, what? He looked like an angel because she doesn't know what she's speaking with, but she knows that there's something different about him. Now, we talked about this term uh, the last couple of weeks. It's called a theophany. A theophany is the manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament for a certain set season. So in Judges, the second chapter of Judges, the Bible says that a theophany came. Uh, when it came to Gideon, when he was in the wine press, he thought it was an angel, but it was not an angel. It was Christ. And now she comes and she thinks it's an angel, but it's not an angel. It's Christ. Y'all with me? I'm going to show you how, we, how I know. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. He said to me, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Therefore, do not drink wine or beer and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth until the day of his death. Keep going. Manoah prayed to the Lord. This is the husband. Please, Lord, let the man of God you sent come to us again and teach us what we should do for the boy who will be born. God listened to Manoah and the angel came again. Look at God to the woman. She was sitting in the field and her husband Manoah was not with her. He keeps visiting the wife. The woman ran quickly to her husband and told him, the man who came by, who came to me today has just come back. So Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came, the man asked, who are you? I mean, are you the man who spoke to my wife? And he replies, I am. there we go. I am. He replies, I am. he replies, I am. and there's only one I am. She thought it was an angel, but I am showed up. Y'all right, quiet in here. <laughs> Y'all remember, remember back in Exodus yeah. when Moses went to, to God and he said, God, what, what am I going to tell them 
when they ask who sent me, he says, tell them that I am sent you. And now Manoah says, are you the man that came and spoke to my wife? And he says, (laughs) and who is I am? I am as God, but if he's in the flesh, he's Jesus. So who is this speaking to Manoah? Jesus. Are y'all with me? He said, then Manoah asked, when your words come true, what will, be, what will the boy's responsibilities and mission be? The angel of the Lord answered Manoah, your wife needs to do everything I told her. She must not. This is like the third time he done said this to this woman. So this must be important, right? She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine or drink wine or beer. Now, if you go to the King James, it says you shall not even touch it. You ever heard that? Thou shall not touch strong wine or vinegar. So he says, you must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine or drink wine or beer. Now, this is Old Testament. She must not eat anything unclean. Your wife must do everything I have commanded her. Please stay here, Manoah told him, and we will prepare a young goat for you. Now he wants to offer a sacrifice to him because he recognizes that this encounter ain't normal. The angel of the Lord said to him, if I stay, I won't eat your food. But if you want to prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord, but that he's not the angel of the Lord. He's actually Christ. Then Manoah said to him, what is your name? So that we may honor you when your words come true. I'm going to show you all something in just a minute. Y'all with me? When you ask my name, the angel of the Lord asked him, since it is what? Hold on. Why did you ask my name? The angel of the Lord asked him, since it is I'm going to say it again. Why did you ask my name? The angel of the Lord asked him, since it is Isaiah, and his name shall be Counselor. There's no other name that's wonderful but the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. So he comes by and he shares with him that his name is wonderful. Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering, offered them on a rock to the Lord. And he did a wonderful thing while Manoah and his wife were watching. Next verse. I told you I'm going to walk you all through the 14 and 15, 16 chapters. When the flame went up from the altar to the sky, the angel of the Lord went up in its flame. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell face down to the ground. The angel of the Lord did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. Now look at his wife. We're going to die, he said to his wife. (laughs) That's what he said. I'm sorry. (laughs) Because we have seen God. Because according to Exodus 33, no man has ever seen God and lived. So he just automatically assumes that I'm getting ready to die. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had intended to kill us, he would have accepted the he wouldn't have accepted the burnt offering and grain offering from us. And he would not have shown us all these things or spoken to us now like this. So the woman gave birth to a son and named him, which means sunny. It means sunny or it means a light in a dark place. They're in a land called Zorah which is on the border of Palestine and Israel. It's in the middle of a battlefield, and it's a dark place. And God allows her to give birth in a dark place. Y'all quiet. Sometimes in the middle 
of your darkest moments, and I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually, you're conceiving light. Sometimes in the darkest moments of your life, it's when God is getting ready to give you a burst of light that is going to give you direction on how to come out of the darkness. And I don't know who I'm talking to in here today, but I'm here to let you know that you are getting ready to give birth in your dark situation. Some of us have been hitting all types of walls and been trying to figure out where we're going and we've been tripping and making mistakes. But I'm here to let you know that God is getting ready to give you light and illumination for your way out. Look at your neighbor and say, I, get the, I see some light. I see some light. I see some light. That's right. Look at him and say, I see some light in you. I see some light in you. We're not going to stay in this dark place for too much longer, but God is getting ready to give us a Samson. God is getting ready to allow us to see some light at the end of the tunnel, but you just got to keep trusting him, praising him, and worshiping him, and he's going to give you some revelation for your situation. So the boy grew and the Lord blessed him. Then the spirit of the Lord began to direct him in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtar. Watch this. The strength wasn't in his hair. The strength was in the spirit of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to show you all in a minute. Y'all like, I thought when he cut his hair off, he became weak. No, 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 no. I'm going to show you all. The strength was not in his hair. The strength was in the spirit of the Lord that was on him. Y'all with me? And watch this. The spirit of the Lord directed him in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Eshtaol is a city of the Philistines. So the spirit of the Lord instructed him to go from Israel into the camp of the enemy and was with him. Y'all with me? Now let's go to the 14th chapter, and I'm going to flow here. You with me? Now we're going to tell the story. Judges 14 and 1. Uh, Samson went down to Timnah. This is in the land of Philistine. You ain't supposed to be over there. You ain't supposed to be going over there in the enemy's camp. But he's going over into the other side, across the border, into a city that he's not supposed to go to. And saw a young, a young Philistine woman there. And he went back and told his father and mother, I have seen a young Philistine woman in Timnah. Now go get her for me as a wife. I wish I would talk to my parents like that. I done seen a fine woman. Now go get her. Now, if you want to look at the translation of that text, what it means is that she's desirable to the eye. Doesn't say anything about her characteristics. It doesn't say anything about her heart. But what he's actually saying is she looks good. I want her. Which means that he's looking with the lust of the flesh. He don't know whether or not she can work. He don't know whether or not she got any skill set. He don't know whether or not she, you know, she's, she's a heathen. All he knows is what he's seen. Now, if we look at the trend of the book of Judges, and I know I'm boring y'all, but I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm I'm to speed it up in a minute. If you look at the book of Judges, one of the reoccurring themes that you'll see almost in every single chapter is that in Israel did which was right in the sight of their own. And now we're seeing Samson doing what is right in his own eyes. He did not seek God for a wife. He did not consult with the Lord. Can I show you something? We can go over four chapters in, in, in the next couple minutes. And not once do we see Samson give God a praise. 
We don't even see Samson talk to God until the last chapter. But yet the spirit of the Lord falls on him. Because he takes God's presence for granted. So the strength was not in his hair. The strength was in God. And one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to take God's mercy and grace for granted. Not once does he say thank you for the victory. Not once does he say thank you for the battle. And how many times has God been victorious in our life and we don't give him thanks? Sometimes we're Samson. We walk in our own strength. We don't even walk in our own strength. He strengthens us, gives us the victory, and he's so good and he's so awesome at what he does. He hides behind the scenes to see whether or not you'll give him glory. And so many times we forgot. And so many times we were so arrogant that we thought we had something to do with our own victories. So we don't give him praise. So many times we have come out of situations and we actually thought that working 60 hours this week got you out of that financial bind. I know who I'm talking to. (laughs) You actually thought that your strength got you out of your situation. Ooh, I worked hard this week. Where did your strength come from to work? (laughs) Y'all quiet. All it took was God to give you a sick day. Yeah, y'all quiet. You know, sometimes we be faking on sick days, but every once in a while you get a real one. And you really call it out sick. And too many times in our life, God gives us victory after victory after victory, and we operate in his strength, and we don't say thank you. Nor do we continue to communicate with him. So every once in a while, God has to put you through a storm to show you that I am God. And I'm the one that's been strengthening you the whole entire time. Amen. So Samson went down to Timnah and saw a young Philistine. He went back and told his father and mother, I've seen a young girl. Now get her for me as a wife because she's fine. But his father and mother said to him, can't you find a woman among your relatives or among any of your people? I mean, you got 12 tribes, brother. There are about over three million people in Israel at this point, and you can't find one woman out of three million? This is not a racial thing. This is not, this is a cultural thing. And this is a godly thing. Because if you understand Israel, they were all different types of colors and mixes. As a matter of fact, you go through the book of Numbers, it talks about a mixed multitude. So if you go through Israel, it was black, white, yellow, brown, all types of colors. So let's not, let's not make Israel one color or one type of race. Anyone that called upon the name of the Lord could become a Jew. What are you talking about? This is what I'm talking about. Abraham had servants who were from different tribes and from different countries. But when he circumcised Ishmael, he circumcised his whole household, and they became Jews that day too. Ruth was a Moabitess. But the moment she married Boaz... She became part of the family of Israel. Rahab was a harlot. But when she met her husband, she became part of the family of Israel. So now we look at the text and they're not saying, why don't you deal with just black people? Why don't you just deal with white people? But why can't you find a woman that worships the same God as you? 
<laughs> you can't find nobody that loves Jesus too. You can't find another person in all the earth that'll lift up the name of the Lord with you in the house of God. I'm trying, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy here. Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines wife? I'm um, go to the uncircumcised Philistines for a wife. Must you go to what? The uncircumcised. We talked about this. What's uncircumcised? Uncircumcised, we're not talking physical. Some of y'all like, Lord. We're talking about people that have excess of flesh over their heart. We're talking about people that are full of issues. People that are full of all types of things from their past and they can't get over. And you want to marry that. You want to marry someone with baggage that will never be delivered? Lord, I'm walking down some lanes today. <laughs> I hope you ain't dating nobody with baggage today. But out of everybody, this is who you want to marry for a wife. But Samson told his father, get her from me. Because I want her. <laughs> some, some of y'all caught that. <laughs> some of y'all caught that. Now, his father and mother did not know this was from the Lord. Look at God. Sometimes even things that look messy, God is in it. They don't even realize that him getting with this woman, and it looks disgusting, it looks messy, and it looks all type, it looks crazy, is all part of the Lord's plan. And I don't want to get into all this again, but sometimes some of the messiness birthed us. And if mommy and daddy wasn't messy, and if grandpapa wasn't messy, some of us wouldn't be here. So even in the mess, there's a blessing. Ooh. Now, his father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines were ruling over Israel. Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyard, came to the, came to the, came to the, but you shall not drink any, but you are at the, Y'all quiet. Y'all with me? What you doing at the wine house? What you doing for the wine tasting? I'm not judging nobody that's done that. I'm talking about in the Bible. <laughs> Carol, like, dang. <laughs> what you doing at the wine tasting and you a Philistine? I mean, you, you, you a Nazarite. From birth, you're not even supposed to touch wine or strong drink, but you're chilling around it. Uh. I'm just in a club. I, you know, I just like to dance. I don't drink nothing, but you know. Hey! That's some of y'all. <laughs> yeah. I'm just in here. You know, I, I like to get my two-step on. I'm still saying, you know, I, I don't even go to the bar, but you know, hey. And then somebody hand you a drink. Oh. Chilling in, the, chilling in the club, but ain't going to the bar. This is just me talking, and y'all know, know how I am. Chilling in the club, but I ain't touching the bar. Suddenly, a young lion came roaring at him. 
Hold on, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Y'all sure y'all with me? All right, we can ready to flow for just a couple seconds, all right? Samson is where? He's at the bar. And suddenly, <laughs> if this will help you, hey. And suddenly, a young lion came roaring at him. Oh, help me, God. I could holler right here and sit down. This is that, that part where I can just, <clears throat> but I ain't going to do that. He's chilling where he ain't supposed to be. And a lion shows up. He's chilling where he ain't supposed to be. And a lion shows up. Hmm. Some of y'all were chilling where you weren't supposed to be. And a lion showed up. What did Peter say? Beware. For Satan is like a seeking whom he may Oh, he's looking around, seeing who were, who's where they ain't supposed to be. Y'all missed it. <laughs> Satan is walking around looking to see who is where they're not supposed to be. He's seeking whom he may devour. And Samson is where he's not supposed to be. So now Satan says, I got him. I got him. Jesus, I got a right to get him because he's not where he's supposed to be. And he gets ready to roar and he comes roaring at him. And then in the next verse, the spirit of the Lord took control of him. Sometimes where you're not supposed to be and the devil is getting ready to get busy, that's when the Holy Ghost shows up. And you find victory even when you're in a place where you're not supposed to be. Somebody needs to thank God for some grace. Because there have been some places that I wasn't supposed to be, but if it was not for the Holy Ghost, that enemy would have devoured me and would have taken me out. But the Spirit when the enemy comes in like a flood, the sp- I'm sorry, I got excited there. Uh, but this is a grace moment right here. This is just a moment to remind us that there have been some times where the devil should have taken you out, but God was watching. There were times where he could have had his way in our life, but the spirit took control of us. There were times where we should have died. But the spirit of the Lord took control of us. There were times when the enemy had a right to take your life, but the spirit of the Lord took control of you. And I don't know about you, but that alone is enough for me to give God some praise. I hear you, Allie. Watch this. Y'all with me? The devil was not the temptation. Sometimes, no, not sometimes. Most of the time, the temptation ain't the devil. The devil is watching on how you handle the temptation. Stop blaming the devil. 
You did it. <sighs> Help me, God. Adam and Eve are walking through the garden. Eve is walking through the garden, and she's tempted. And the serpent shows up. He's not the temptation. He may be a tempter, but he's not the temptation. Jesus goes to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He's tempted, but he's not the temptation. And the only way that he gets rid of the tempter or tempter is through the word of God. And now Samson is walking through the valley of temptation. And Satan has his paws ready. But the Lord steps in and protects him. And not only does the Lord step in, but the Lord gives Samson the strength to tear the temptation apart and into pieces. So the problem with Samson was not that his hair was cut. Because if it was based off of him breaking the vows, he already broke the vows when he was touching the things in the vineyard. So the failure wasn't in the cutting of hair because he had already broken one of the vows when he was in the bar. Are y'all with me? Thou shalt not drink. Strong drink. Should not, but he was touching. Now remember, what did he tell Manoah? You can't even touch grapes. Don't even take communion. When Minister Royce get up here and ask who want to take, nope, not me. I'm a Nazarite. I think my years are gone as trying to be a Nazarite at this point. So he tore the line apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Then he went and spoke to the woman because Samson wanted her. Watch this. After some time, when he returned to get her, he left the road to see the lines. What? What is that? Dead body. Thou shalt not touch. Y'all quiet. Broke another vow. By the time we got to the cutting of the hair, he done already broke all the vows prior to that one. So the strength was never in the cutting of the hair because Samson has been breaking every vow for the last four chapters. Which shows us that Samson, for the last four chapters, has been living on nothing else but the grace of God. The problem was, was that he took God's grace for granted. Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound, Romans 6. God forbid. But he kept continuing in sin because he just assumed that grace would continually abound. Uh, somebody look at your neighbor and say, don't play with grace. After some time, he returned to get her, left the road to see his lion's carcass, and there was a swarm of bees with honey. Where? In the carcass. In the dead body. So he scooped some honey. He touched the dead body. Forbidden. Into his hands and ate it. Once you touch something 
unclean, you already broke the vow. But then once you eat something from an unclean thing, it becomes unclean food. He told Manoah's wife when she was pregnant with him, do not eat anything unclean. Watch what Samson does. He returned to his father and mother and he gave some to who? Now you contaminated your mom. <laughs> Y'all quiet. <laughs> Since I'm in sin, I'm going to get everybody in it too. Come on, Kara. We're going to party tonight. No, we're going to party party. I ain't going to do this alone. I, if I'm going to repent, everybody's going to get up here and repent with me. Samson not, could not only just carry his sin, but he got other people involved in the mess with him. And did not tell them that they were sinning too. Are y'all with me? He gave some to them and they ate. I'm almost done. But he did not tell them that he had scooped the honey from the lion's carcass. His father went to visit the woman and Samson prepared a feast. Samson prepared a, a feast there. A young, as young men were accustomed to do, he prepared a feast. And if you know anything about Old Testament feasts, there was a whole lot of drinking. Y'all quiet. Y'all remember Jacob and Esau? Or Jacob when he married Rebecca and Ra or, uh, Leah and Rachel? What, 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 did, what, did, what did Laban do? He got him drunk. So drunk that he put the wrong girl in the, in the tent. And he woke up the next morning and realized he married the wrong girl. That's the kind of feast they were having back then. They would get you, I was going to say another word, tipsy drunk. I'll say it like that. No, beyond tipsy. But just, just drunk, drunk. So once again, Samson is breaking another vow. You done touched the wine. You done drunk the wine. You done ate unclean things. And you done touched unclean things. And all you got left is your hair. That's some of us. That's some of us. Well, I don't smoke. Yeah, then you don't do that. All you got is your hair. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Your analogy of the hair symbolizes the only thing you ain't doing. So you'll go ham on every other sin in the church, but you won't deal with your little issue that we, that we can't see. <laughs> you hide it behind a suit. You hide it behind a dress. You hide it behind a look. And you can point out everything that you don't struggle with, but you don't deal with your own issue. That's Samson. So Samson says, I could drink a little bit because I still got my hair. And I have the look. So when people see me, they see the long hair, and they just assume I don't do that other stuff. Y'all quiet. When I put my suit on for church, they just assume I'm a church man. When I put my dress on, they assume I'm a church lady. Because I'm wearing my hair. Are y'all with me? <laughs> and you got a whole lot of folks that have pride in their locks have pride in their external appearance. But internally, they've been breaking every single law through every chapter of their life. I'm going to close here. I'm going to close here because y'all know the story. I'm going to close here. So we see here, and I'm, I'm going to deal with Delilah real quickly. We see here that Delilah now, he comes on the scene. Uh, after this, this is the first wife. Uh, he, he does not consummate the marriage. 
Can I show you how grimy this is? <laughs> he does not consummate the marriage because she tricked him right. into giving away a riddle. And through that riddle, he had to uh, get 30 new outfits for the men that was on his bridal, his bridal party. Y'all with me? So this is how big their wedding was. Could you imagine standing up there, Sister Tony, and you got 30 women behind you, and Brother Nate got 30 men behind you? That's the kind of wedding party they had. So during the reception, they're, they're trying, he gives them a riddle. He says, if you guys can break this, I'll give you all 30 brand new outfits. And what they do is they go to the woman and they say, if you don't tell us what that riddle is, we're going to kill you. So she goes and she gets up in Samson's mind and he finally tells her and they come back and they tell him the riddle and he gets mad. And the Bible says he goes further down into the Philistine city, kills 30 men, takes their outfits off of them and gives it to the homeboys a couple miles north. And they don't realize that somebody had to die for the clothes that they bid on. Blood diamonds. So now Samson leaves, he's mad because he got played. Got played by his girl and played by his so-called boys. So he comes back to the house. And when he comes back to the house to go get his wife, because remember, they haven't consummated, so technically he wasn't married. The daddy gave her away to one of the homies in the bridal party. <laughs> Y'all go ahead. He said, I thought you didn't want her, so I gave her to your best friend. I told y'all the Bible is scandalous. And he gets mad. And what does he do? He takes tails of foxes, 300 of them, ties them up, puts torches in them, and sends them through the fields to destroy all the land of the palace, the palace of Philistines. And now they come back. They got beef. We got all this going on. And the Bible says, and he takes a jawbone of a donkey and destroys thousands of men with just a jawbone. This is how bad Samson is. You wanna know how bad Samson is? Is Samson possibly look like me? Yeah. This isn't a dad bod. This is a father figure. Samson possibly had a father figure. He didn't, the Bible doesn't say anything about muscles. It doesn't say anything about a six pack. It don't say anything about broad shoulders. All it says is that when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, Amen. that he was able to defeat enemies. And I'm the same way. Exactly. All I need is the spirit of the Lord, and I can lift this whole building up. So Samson possibly looked like a normal man, but when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, he was able to do things that he could not do without the strength of the Lord. So now he goes in, he destroys them with an with a, with a ox, uh, ox jaw or a, um, a, a, a donkey's jaw, destroys thousands of men with just that. And what makes that scripture so powerful is not just that he used a donkey's jawbone, but what makes it powerful is that Philistine or Palestine or the, Philist the Philistines were the top tier of technology of that day. They were known for using steel. They were known for using iron, I mean, not, not steel, iron. Y'all like, gee, they worked the U.S. steel? No, no, iron. They were known for using iron during that time. Iron was not something that was used in battle. We talked about this a couple chapters ago where they got stuck in the mud. Y'all remember that? We talked about that in the Bible study. Where they got, was that Deborah? Where they got stuck in the mud and, and all the men had was just a word from the Lord. Yes, the 10,000 men, all they had was a word from the Lord and they ran and they began to defeat them because they, their iron got stuck in the mud. So this man took a jawbone something that was simplistic 
and beat the most technological country in the world at the time with just the jawbone of a donkey. So I'm going to close here. So we go through the whole Delilah story. Same exact thing. Gives them a, a riddle. Uh, they, she, she can't get it. Uh, or she, she tries to find out where his strength comes from. He tells her the strength is in his hair. She cuts the locks of his hair. He wakes up. He wakes up with his locks cut. And she says, the Philistines are coming. And what does he say? I'm going to just do what I always did in the past. I'm just going to shake myself and I'm going to do what I do. And he shook himself. And nothing was there. His grace was gone. It wasn't that the grace ran out because God's grace never runs out, but God is not going to let you use him. And now he no longer has the spirit of the Lord in him or the strength of the Lord on him. And they take him, they take his eyes out. And the man that was once the shining light to Israel now can only see darkness. Yes. So now he's sitting here at a pillar and what they don't realize, why they think they have the victory, is that his hair is growing back. And his hair symbolizes his spiritual life. While you're locking me up, you fail to understand that the strength of the Lord is coming right back. And now he asked God for one last time, God, give me the strength to knock these pillars down. Because right above him were hundreds of Philistine people. And he was willing to die for the victory of his people. But it took for him to run out of grace and stop being selfish to think about everyone else. Because every other battle prior to that was all selfish battles. You hurt my pride. You hurt my ego. You took my woman. You did this to me. But for the first time in the 16th chapter, he finally realizes that this battle is not just about him, but it's about his people. And God gives him strength one last time. He destroys the pillars. The people fall in on him and die. And finally, they defeat the Philistines for a season. But did not get complete victory. Because he was selfish in his battles. Stop here. Are you just praying when you pray for yourself? Are they just selfish prayers? Is your intercession just all about you? Mm -hmm. Why y'all think about that for a minute? Let, let that resonate. The last time you prayed, was it all about you? You ever talk to somebody and every time you talk to them, everything's about them? <laughs> oh, it's sunny outside. Yeah, it was sunny yesterday when I went outside, but you know how I do it. I, and you're just like, man, I ask about, oh, we, we, talking about we talking about the weather. And sometimes that's how we are with our prayers to God. You ain't asked God to touch your mom. You ain't asked God to touch your cousin. You got somebody in extensive, intensive care that's dying and you ain't prayed for them. All you praying about is, God, I need another dollar. God, I need more money. God, if you can help me. And sometimes we never gain victory because our intercession and our prayers are selfish. And you've got to understand that when you pray for someone else, you're building the kingdom. I shared this before. When you pray for someone else, it takes a jealous heart out of you. Because how can I be jealous of Bill if I'm praying for him? 
How can I be self selfish when I'm praying that God does a work in his life? But when I'm always praying about me, and it's all about me, and then I see God bless him, then I become jealous of him because I never prayed for him. We have to move, and I'm done. I'm doing a little long today. That was four chapters, y'all. We got to move from selfish prayers to corporate prayers. Don't just bless Pastor Joel. Bless Hope Haven. Bless the whole church. Because if the whole church gets blessed, Pastor Joel will be blessed. So I'm going to touch these three points, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting down. We're going to take communion. Then we're going to eat some tacos, some salad. What else we got over there? Spaghetti? All right, she's making up stuff. <laughs> we're going to eat something over there, all right? Three points. You ready? Number one, our strength comes from the Lord. Keep that in mind. You with me? Your strength comes from where? Don't you get caught up in your own strength. Don't you get caught up in your own might. Don't you get caught up in your own will. Understand that all strength comes from the Lord. Number two, don't take God's grace for granted. Don't play with it. Don't say, well, I don't do that, but I do, you know, I, I still, no, 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 no. I need deliverance in every area. Number three, you have to be, you have been positioned for the right season. Uh-oh, she bit you, didn't she? That's a biter, y'all. <laughs> you have been positioned for the right season. Y'all with me? Manoah and his wife were positioned right on the border of Palestine and Israel at the right time, at the right season, for the right victory. I don't know who I'm talking to in here today, but you are positioned, you are positioned at the right time at the right moment, in the right season, you did not make the wrong decision, but God planted you in your moment, in your season, and in your time for your victory. Somebody better receive that one. Oh, yes, yeah, I am where I'm at because something good is going to come out of this. Woo, thank you, Jesus. I've questioned it, but I ain't going to question it no more. I'm positioned to win. I'm positioned for victory. It's hard, but I'm coming out. I'm struggling, but I got to come out. Because God did not place me here to be defeated. He placed me here to win. Y'all trying to make me holler today. <laughs> Father, we thank you. For meeting us in this place on today, God, there was a lot of content. God, almost an hour I, I spoke today. I don't usually talk this long. <laughs> but, God, there was purpose for this. Thank you, Lord, for your strategy. Even when we don't understand it. God, I don't understand why I'm in a corner of 875 Mantua Pike every Sunday, but we're strategically placed here. With a plan and with a purpose. And we will win. God, we thank you, Lord, for everyone, God, where they are in their life. God, it's all part of your plan. God, it's all part of your way. And God, we may not see how you're going to do it, but we celebrate in advance that it's already done. And Lord, we thank you and we give you all the honor, all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. We're going to take communion. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go-hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.